Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that every single word of yours proves true. That it is good to be reminded that everything does fade, but your word will not. Your word stands forever. And so we, your people, in this moment, in this place, we are hungry. Would you feed us? Would you feed us by your word? Would you teach us? Would you correct us? Would you rebuke us? Would you train us up? Would you make us a family who submit ourselves to your word and what you say? Please. And even as I feel the weight and expectancy of this word from Acts 16, I feel the weakness and neediness. I need you to show up, Holy Spirit. And we all need you to open our hearts, our eyes, our ears, and our minds. So would you do so, please? In this moment, in this space, at this time, would you break through? Would you be with us, Jesus, as you promised? It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray all these things. Amen. It's good to be with you. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Tyler. I just get to serve as one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to get to do that with you. Have you ever, uh, y'all probably know this reality, when you wake up in the morning and you start to walk towards the bathroom with one eye kind of somewhat open, you're running into stuff. <laughs> Have you ever had this experience as you're doing that where you find yourself looking in the window, or in the mirror, I should say, and you ask, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? What does today hold? What is today gonna look like? Um, maybe you don't do that in that moment. Maybe it's in the car while you're fighting Houston traffic and all of its glorious frustrations. And you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> why do I work where I work? And why do I live where I live? And what's happening? What's going on? I just had a birthday. And although my graying beard and thinning hair might uh, clue you into maybe an older reality than I actually am, I just turned 35 just at the end of September. And most birthdays for me feel like some form of an existential crisis. Like where I'm in the car and I'm like, what am I doing? Or I'm in looking in the mirror and I'm like, what's going on with my life? But this one in particular hit different and I don't know why. Um, maybe you've experienced those types of things where you just all of a sudden get stopped in your tracks. You're like, what is going on with my life? That was what happened to me at the end of September. <laughs> it's like just hit a, a ton of bricks. I think the first thought that that brought me into that was I'm the same age that my dad was when I was born. And I was like, whoa, I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> and then I was thinking, oh, I'm halfway to the age at which my dad is right now. And I was like, oh, I definitely can't handle that. <laughs> and it's like as if the horizon line of my life all of a sudden just went like, like this. It's where all the, what felt like wide open space just felt really constrained. And I was like, what am I wrestling with right now? And really what I was wrestling with is disillusionment, disappointment. Have you wrestled with that? I think all of us are facing that in some way, shape or form. I heard a couple weeks ago someone talk about uh, the, way in which our, the way in which we kind of view our world, the way in which we walk in our world, we are in an algorithmic entombment of disillusionment. <laughs> We're like trapped, all of the voices all of the apps that send you notifications, everything that we talk about and think about is really meant to encapsulate us into that space and remind us 
that we are disappointed. And the temptation is, we wanna believe that that's a permanent fixture of our life, even as Christ followers. So how do we deal with this? What do we do when disappointment appears to be a permanent feature of my life, of your life and our life? I think Acts 16 has a word for us today. It was a surprising word for me. And to be honest with you, I feel weighty giving it. I feel the weight of it because it has surprised me, even in the small recesses of my soul where it's crept in and how it's coming out. But I want you to think about this reality. How do we break out of this disappointment when it feels like it's just a permanent fixture of our life? Acts 16 is going to invite us to sing in our disappointment. Acts 16 is gonna invite you and me to sing out in our disappointment and watch joy break in and break out. And it's the most counterintuitive thing, and I wanna prove it to you from Acts 16. And here's how we're gonna tackle it. It's really simple. It's how, it's why, and it's what. How do, we, how do we begin to sing in the midst of our disappointment? Why should we even take that step, and what happens when we do? So let's jump into Acts 16, verse 22. The word of God says this, the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into prison, the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. If you are reading this after my preamble that I just gave, you might be like, that doesn't feel like it matches up to what you're talking about, Tyler. <laughs> so stick with me. I got to give you some context. So Acts 16 starts with Paul and Silas and his missionary team, and they are trying to get into Asia. But something curious happens as you're reading this story. God doesn't let them. It literally says that the Holy Spirit forbid them from going into Asia. And they kept trying, and they kept being forbidden to go into that space and that place. And so they're trying to figure out and keep moving and keep navigating. They want to share the good news of Jesus and what it's meant for them to follow him and, and give the whole of their lives to him. And they are on this journey, and they end up in this place where Paul has a dream, and it's a Macedonian man in the dream crying out to him, come here and help us. And Paul and his team are like, okay, <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. And so they do that. And they go down to Troas, and then from Troas, they end up in Philippi. And just for geography help, Philippi is essentially the first city in Europe. Macedonia is Europe. So this is the first spot where the gospel breaks in. They're trying to go to Asia. They can't, and they end up in Europe at Philippi. So first, observation for us to recognize, that is hundreds of miles different than what they wanted, where they wanted to go. <laughs> they are, quote unquote, off course of their plan by the direction, by the power of God, by his leading his voice, but they are nowhere near where they thought they would be. And so they end up in Philippi. And the first interaction that they have in Philippi is with this worshiper, this God worshiper named Lydia. And they share the gospel with her and she begins to follow Jesus. They share the good news that Jesus lived and he died and he rose again on the third day. And she becomes a follower of Jesus. And then as they're going on to their way to the place of prayer, which I'm sure just humming 
wow, that was awesome. <laughs> it was like a prepared person ready to go. All I had to do was open my mouth and speak and there they were and they started following Jesus. And then they start going through to the place of prayer and this curious thing happens. A fortune teller, a slave girl comes alongside and influenced by a demonic spirit of divination, this fortune teller starts to cry out and say, these men are men of the most high God. And it says in the passage that they were greatly annoyed, that Paul particularly was greatly annoyed. Now at first blush, it might be like, Paul, that doesn't seem very compassionate. You're annoyed by this poor girl who's enslaved by a spirit. He casts out the demon in that. And the reason why he is annoyed, the reason why he does that so publicly and so abruptly is because this little, this slave girl, this fortune teller is trying to say, hey, you've, you've all seen what I can do. They're kind of like me. And so Paul's like, absolutely not. <laughs> Am I letting demonic power be associated with us and the good news of Jesus? And so they cast out this demon and the owners see it happen. <laughs> the people where all the money is coming in from this reality, from this little girl, they're like, absolutely not. So they drag them into the marketplace. What seemed like, oh man, okay, well, we were trying to go to this place in this space. We didn't, but we got here and we met Lydia. And I think this is pretty exciting. Now all of a sudden they find themselves being dragged into the marketplace in front of the authorities. And verse 22, the crowd joins in attacking them. So, disappointment. How do we begin to sing in our disappointment? We have to acknowledge the disappointment that grabs us. We have to acknowledge the disappointment that binds us up. We have to actually look at it. And that's what I want us to do. I want us to look at what maybe Paul and Silas was dealing with in this moment. The crowd joins in and attacking them. Their garments are torn, they're stripped. So in that moment, they're stripped. And as they're stripped, as the crowd is delivering blow after blow after blow, then the magistrates give the rods that they use to keep the peace when there's riots. And then all of a sudden they start being wounded by these rods. They're just getting hit over and over and over again with these rods. And as they are doing that, then they get grabbed and they get thrown into prison. Like this word is, is meaning to show like a violent throwing in. And not only are they just thrown into prison, but they're so concerned about them disrupting the peace that they go into the, as it says here in verse 24, he put them into the inner prison. <laughs> it's not even just that they were in prison, they went into the innermost part of the prison. So now they're isolated, they're locked away in the deepest, most secure part there. And not only that, they put their feet in stocks. Now the feet in stocks, it's not like this like piece of wood right here with two holes where your feet just go in uh, you know, nicely. Romans were known to have stocks where it's multiple holes that's huge and meant to actually put your legs and your feet in a particular way to where your legs would keep cramping over and over and over again. And this is where Paul and Silas are sitting, bound up, and what I can only imagine might lead to temptation of disappointment. Now Luke, the author in Acts, he doesn't say that they're disappointed. <laughs> And as we find out, these are spirit-led men who love Jesus and are giving all of their life for him. But the curious part for me this week in studying this, I found that this was geolocating my heart if I was in a similar situation. And I can tell you honestly, I would be disappointed. <laughs> I didn't even wanna be here. I wanted to go to Asia 
and now I'm in Macedonia, and now I am beat and wounded and exhausted and trapped and isolated and alone. God, what are you doing? How do you begin to sing out in the midst of disappointment in your life? You need to acknowledge it. You can't steer around it. You can't skip over it. You have to stare right at it and recognize that it's binding you up. The challenge for you and me is we live in a time and a place where we don't want to acknowledge those hard things. We don't want to actually look at the fact that we're bound up in that. We are trying to organize and design our life in such a way to where we don't ever have to actually think about those really tough things, those hard things. And so as I found myself geolocated right there with Paul and Silas, feeling in this moment, I don't know if maybe you felt something, feel something similar. As their garments are torn and they're stripped, they're exposed, I feel exposed. As each blow, as I'm seeing this over and over and over again, as they're wounded, I feel my wounds. As they're bound in stocks, I feel the binding that this is trying to do to me, this disappointment. I feel the alone reality of being in the innermost part of the prison. It's like there's no escape. I can't get out of it. And it leaves me in this place of disappointment. Do you feel that? Have you experienced it? Whether small or big, recent or far off, have we not all had disappointments in our life? And do they not all cause us pain and wounds and leave us feeling isolated and alone? We can't move around this place. We can't hope to get break out of this entombment of disappointment. We have to stare right at it. And so this is gonna be a little different. <laughs> But I, what I want to do is invite you. There's an opt-out. You don't have to. But I do want to invite all of us in this moment to actually acknowledge for just a moment the areas of disappointment in your life. And if you don't feel comfortable to do that, I would just ask, please pray for others that are doing it. But in this moment, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? And would you ask God to remind you of a moment of disappointment? It could be big. It could be small, it could be recent, it could be far back, but trusting that God is going to remind you of the one moment that you need to be reminded of. Father, thank you for the kindness to be able to pause for a second. Certainly not long enough but just to practice your word in this moment for just a second. I pray for all of my brothers and sisters and friends in the room that you would bring these things to mind, not as a place of despair or sorrow, but as the beginning steps of healing and wholeness that you have available to you, Jesus. And so please be with us as we keep this in front of us for the next few moments. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Now, if you did that and God reminded you of something in that moment, some memory came back to mind, would you do me a favor and write it down? Just like a sentence. Doesn't have to be a huge long thing, just, to, just so that you can remember it. If you did that, if you could, just 30 seconds, write it down. It was this moment, this thing.
And as you're doing that, I want you, and I'm inviting you to keep this in front of you for the rest of our time together. I think this is an important reality for us that if we are actually going to sing out in disappointment and then watch joy break in and then break out, we have to acknowledge the disappointment. We have to stop and say, this didn't work out the way I thought it was going to. I didn't wanna go here, I wanted to go there. And now I feel beaten and bruised. I feel alone and afraid. We have to stop, we have to pause, we have to recognize that, we have to acknowledge it. And now that we have, and prayerfully, please listen with that moment in your mind, we need to understand why is singing even a necessary step to break out of this, why? So how do we prepare to sing out? We have to acknowledge the disappointment that binds us up. Then we need to look at why singing out in our disappointment is even a step to take. We'll be in verses 25 through 29, and what I want you to see why you should take this step, why I think I should take this step and we should take this step is because singing shakes everything. Singing shakes everything. Look with me in verses 25 through 29. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cries out with a loud voice, don't harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Okay, so putting ourselves, situating ourselves back here in this moment, Paul and Silas, they're cramping, unrelenting pain, reminders of how they were welcomed into this place, into this city that they didn't even originally intend to be in. And so led by the Spirit, we find them praying. And to be very honest with you, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised by that, which I don't think any of us would be surprised by that, right? When you have moments of disappointment, I think you and I and all of us tend to pray, which is such a good thing. It's like, of course, yeah, I'm, I'm hurting. This is happening. I need to pray. But do you see the curious nature of this next? Praying and singing. They're singing hymns right there in the most inner part of the prison, in the most amount of pain that they're in. They're not just praying, but they're singing. That is wild to me. I hope you feel the wild nature of that. Why would we do that? Why would you do that? Why should we do that? There is no reason that singing should be a response. And when I mean reason, I mean logical. Like it doesn't, in this space, in this moment, you wouldn't find, you wouldn't reason to find this type of reality. Instead, what you would find maybe would be things like this, anger, despair, resentment, plots of vengeance, betrayal, doubting God's goodness or his direction, questions about everything that you've ever done, regret, a survival by any and all means necessary, like you're just trying to stay alive even at the expense of others, maybe even just giving up. Like that, that's what you would expect to find in that place. Maybe some prayers about all of that, but singing, singing hymns to God. And what I want you to see, I dare, say, I dare want to say this to you and postulate this for you here in this moment. They were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And it doesn't say that 
of this word but. It doesn't say like some contrast or disconnected reality. It says in verse 26, and suddenly there was an earthquake. <laughs> They're praying and singing ushered in the power of God into that moment for them. Suddenly an earthquake showed up as they're praying and singing. Not just because they're praying, not just happenstance or coincidence. I actually believe and think, and so do others, that it's because they were singing that the power of God for them in that moment showed up. And what did the power of God show up in that place and in that moment for them? It wasn't to escape, they didn't escape. They stayed. They stayed there because the prisoners were listening to them. They weren't singing on their own, in their own maybe pain and disappointment or disillusionment, they weren't on their own. They were actually together and they were singing together and the prisoners were listening to them and all of a sudden, everything that they needed to happen, happened. The doors are open, their, 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 uh, their chains are unfastened and they stay because they recognize something just happened. <laughs> you see, singing becomes the very vehicle by which God's power can bring relief and freedom in our times of disappointment. Because singing shakes everything. Verse 26, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. <laughs> singing shakes everything. I had the uh, joy and honor to meet a couple of friends who are doing ministry among Muslim friends across the globe. And they were just sharing stories about uh, just what God's doing among Muslim peoples all across the world right now in moments of upheaval and, and displacement and pain and trauma and sorrow. And they pull out these new friends, they pull out um, and they show a video of some believers, Muslim background believers, and they're singing. <laughs> they're clapping, they're singing, and they're singing about Jesus and what he has done for them. And here's the wild place, the wild reality of they're singing in a moment and in a place of displacement. They've lost everything. They've lost people that they've loved. They've lost all that they've ever known. They're not even in their homeland. And yet they're singing. And the curious thing for me is I was talking with my friends in that moment. They were like, they're singing too loud. <laughs> we're afraid because if they sing this loud, someone's gonna find out. They can hear these words that we're singing about Jesus and what he's done but he's like, they can't help but sing loud. You wouldn't expect to find singing in those places. You wouldn't expect to find singing in disappointment and disillusionment. But when you do, it shakes everything. What if our singing could shake everything? What if we as a people didn't steer around these moments of disappointment, but instead stood in them, acknowledged them, and said, I'm gonna sing, because I have no other choice. I can't do anything else but just sing. What would it look like for us to be those sorts of people, to sing out even in those places, small and big, recent, far off? What could happen? What might be found there? we can actually sing in our moments of disappointment and trust that it's gonna shake everything. So for you, as you engaged and invited God to remind you of a moment of disappointment, I wanna challenge you. Would you do this? This week, 
We're going to have an opportunity right after we partake of communion to where you get to sing with that moment of disappointment in your mind. You just acknowledged it. What if it shook the very foundation of your disappointment structures? What if it shook the very foundations of your deepest wounds and deepest loss of expectations? What if it changed everything? I think it could. This is why we should sing. That's why we should take this step. How do we prepare to sing out in the middle of our disappointment? We need to acknowledge it. We can't steer around it. We can't hide it. We can't hold on to it. We gotta acknowledge it openly. And then we have the opportunity to actually take a step and sing. And I think it will shake everything about who we are. And then what happens? How, why, what? What happens when we sing out? What happens when we as a people sing out in the midst of our disappointments? Joy can't help but break in and break out. Joy can't help but break in and break out. Here, look with me in verse 30. Then he, the jailer, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they, Paul and Silas, say, said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Do you see this word rejoiced? This man just a second ago thought he had lost everything, was about to do himself in, and now he's rejoicing. All as a result of them acknowledging where they're at, they can't help it. They're trapped, they have to, and singing in the midst of it, and then all of a sudden joy breaks into this jailer. Roman jailers would have been retired, aging uh, soldiers, former imperial soldiers. Like this is it, this is his retirement, this is, this is the end of his road. Probably a little bit uh, f- f- frailed, uh, battle-tested, wounded himself, particularly cruel in treatment to prisoners. And yet in this moment, in his moment of failure, when they stayed there and then they came out because the joy of God broke into their circumstances in that very moment, what happens? Joy breaks out to the jailer. Joy breaks into his heart and then it breaks out on his household. Joy can't help but break in and break out when we actually sing, believing that it can shake everything about our disappointment. The word rejoice in the New Testament, it's only ever used to communicate a deep, guttural, abiding spiritual joy. So I'm not talking about happiness that's fleeting. I'm talking about the most joyful person you've ever met in your life. All of us probably have that person that we can think of. They can't help but exude joy. They're just smiling. And it's like, why are they smiling about it? It's because Jesus is broken in. They can't help it. Joy breaks in in that moment. And then it breaks out. Look here with me at verse 40. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. So situating ourselves again, how did Paul and Silas get here? They started by sharing the good news of Jesus with Lydia. She comes to faith. Scholars believe that when it says they had seen these brothers and sisters, that the fortune teller was there. That that little girl came to know Jesus because of what had happened. And then you have the jailer and his entire household. And then some of us actually think it's probably some of the prisoners. 
It's like, I can't help it. Like, I gotta follow you. Like, what do you, you have something. <laughs> like, I'm free because of what just happened. So they're hearing the good news of who Jesus is. There was no church, and now there is a church. God can't help but move in our disappointments. And joy can't help but break in and then break out. When you actually sing, believing that it can shake everything, and joy breaks in, it is gonna jump from you to another. True abiding joy that's long lasting is gonna jump from, from you to another and then from that person to another person and from that person to another person and all of a sudden you're gonna look around and you're gonna be like, whoa, something just changed. Something's different. Joy can't help but break in and break out. My wife, uh, which I asked her if I could share parts of this. Um, my wife and I have been married almost 10 years, which is really exciting to think about. Um, this last weekend has been actually particularly difficult for us. Um, I think both of us wrestling with the disappointments that are present in our life, where it's like all of a sudden recognizing, I am disappointed in myself as a husband because of the decisions that I made in our first year to where I'm like wrestling with, why did I, why did I hide that? Why did I not share that? Why was I not honest in that? And how it's had the ripple effects over 10 years of this. And we love each other and there's so much unity and there's so much kindness and, and joy, but also like we need to acknowledge this. And this weekend, it was particularly hard. It just felt like we were kind of swimming, like dancing around, like we couldn't get anywhere. It just was like a butting of heads, not in like a, in, a, in an argumentative type way, but just like a, I don't feel seen, you don't feel seen. It just felt like we were missing each other. So Friday, I, I go to pick up my boys. And I'm like, I gotta stand here and tell all of you what I feel like the Lord is telling me, which is acknowledge my disappointment and sing in it. And I'm like, oh man, because <laughs> I feel disappointed right now. I'm like, just, I cannot get through this. And so I pick up my voice and I'm in the car and we're driving home and I start singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I start singing it. My boys are quiet. I get through a verse and a chorus, a verse and a chorus. And my boys are quiet, they're just listening. Which usually they're not quiet. They're usually kind of breaking down, they're hungry, they want a snack, they're fighting. But in this moment, they're quiet. And then my son's shepherd, he goes, Papa, can we sing the dinosaur song? <laughs> and then he goes, rah! And all of a sudden we're all laughing. I'm laughing. I wasn't laughing before, but I am now. And then I get home and it's like the oxygen in my house shifted. The atmosphere changed. It's like where it felt like we were like this, now it's like this. And we actually like can see each other. And some of you might be like, oh, I don't know if that's because you sing. And I'm telling you friends, I think it is. <laughs> I think it's because I humbled myself and acknowledged I don't have this figured out and I'm disappointed and so is she, but you know what, I can sing. I can sing in that heartache and that pain. And it did something. Joy broke in and then joy broke out. It just kept breaking out over and over and over again. And some of you might say, ah, I don't know. I think the disappointment's too much. I think the disillusionment's too much. I'm a little skeptical on this, maybe a lot skeptical on this. Is it true? Can this fruit of joy actually show up? Can everything really change and be shaken? 
Paul and Silas, I just want to point out, they still had wounds as they were rejoicing. Did you catch it? The jailer washed their wounds. They still had them as the joy was breaking in and breaking out. But yet joy popped up like fruit all over the place here in Philippi. And dare I say, I think it can for you. How is that possible? Because Jesus came to meet you in your disappointment, to actually take on your disappointment, to actually feel what you have felt in your disappointment. How do I know this is true? I still am reeling from this realization. I don't have it on the screen. I just want you to hear this from Matthew 26, 20 through 32. Matthew 26, 20 through 32. Jesus, right before this passage, Judas is paid to betray Jesus. And then we get into this place where Jesus is having a meal with his best friends in the whole world, the people closest to him, the 12 disciples, including Judas. It says this, when it was evening, he reclined at table with the 12. And as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? He answered, who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The son of man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas who would betray him answered, is it I rabbi? He being Jesus said to him, you have said so. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take it, eat, this is my body. He's instituting the Lord's Supper. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I won't drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And here is where this crashed into where I actually believe this is possible for you and for me. Verse 30 of Matthew 26. And when they had sung a hymn, Jesus led the disciples in singing the very night that he's betrayed by his closest friends. Where the temptation for disappointment is at its height. When the temptation to be disappointed, they're about to see who they thought was their king lifted up, not as king, but as a criminal on a cross, wounded because we've been wounded. Betrayed because we've been betrayed. Tempted to be disappointed and disillusioned because we have, as 2 Corinthians 5 says, he became sin who knew no sin. He became that for you and for me. And you know what he did right before he did that? He sang. Verse 30, when they had sung a hymn, then they went out to the Mount of Olives. It is a most emotionally intense moment. And after he's put into the tomb on the third day, as that stone rolls away and Jesus is raised to life, where does he go? He doesn't go to a place of vengeance. He doesn't, he goes straight to all the friends that he says later on will leave him and betray him. He shows up and cooks Peter breakfast on the seashore and restores him. The one who said, I won't deny you. And he says, yes, you will three times. Jesus 
has given you the ability to sing in the middle of your disappointment. Watch as joy breaks in and breaks out. It can't help itself. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for taking in disappointment. You felt it in your bones, the pain of it. As each stripe struck your body, as each nail went into your hand, as you were laid to rest and then risen on the third day, you know exactly how we feel and you, you love to meet us in those places. And you've given us an example to sing. Sing in those places. And watch joy break in and break out. So for my brothers and sisters in this room, Father, who have trusted you for a long time, recently or far, far back, would you help them trust every moment of disappointment in their life? Would you help them sing in it? Would you shake everything? And would joy break in for them and then break out? It can't help itself. (laughs) And for my friends in the room who do not follow you, Jesus, who have not yet trusted in your your good work on the cross and your life and your resurrection, would they see an open invitation to recognize that this Jesus is different. There's something different about him. There's something different to where Paul and Silas in in a moment that could have um, made them so disappointed and disillusioned to where they sing and joy arrests them, changes them. May we be a people who sing out in our disappointment. Holy Spirit, would you make it so? It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.